What is going on, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 80 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Rizzotto. Jasper Lindsay is on assignment. We are joined today by Say Hey Doug. Doug Hayes, he is the co-host of the Say Hey podcast that he does a fantastic job of with uh, our good pal, uh, Robbie Lewis. And uh, yeah, Doug, Doug, what's going on? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Stephen. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be on RizzoCast, and uh, uh, especially after a fun Giants weekend, I'm doing fantastic. So, yeah. No, I really want to get into that weekend because I was at the ballpark on Sunday, uh, and the place was rocking. I'm sure you saw that the place was rocking, and there's really nothing like a game 162. Just, you know, I, I guess you know, you could replicate in other sports, but when there's competitiveness on game 162, the sport is in a good place. So, you know, Giants, they got there, you know, 106 wins at the time. Dodgers were game back. It was a must-win game. What were kind of your thoughts heading into that game uh, while scoreboard watching with the Dodgers playing in, uh, playing in L.A. against the Brewers? You know, actually, I was I was pretty confident. Surprisingly, um, I had a lot of faith in uh, Logan Webb going out there and giving the Giants a good chance to win. Um, not only did he do it on the mound, he did it at the plate as well. But uh, you know, yeah, I was I was pretty confident the Giants were going to go in. I, you know, they haven't lost a ton of back to back games this year. Uh, just felt like uh, they, you know, there's a lot of veterans in that lineup. Um, you know, offensively and defensively, and they knew what they needed to do to get it done, and they did. Um, and I actually was expecting them to win by a hefty amount and they did. So, um, you know, I guess that was, I was right for once on that. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. There's a lot of celebrations afterwards and Gabe Kapler said something when he took the mic and he called out the industry and he called out the industry, the media part of the industry that projects, you know, win totals at the end of the year. And, I mean, we hear all the time, Pakoda, 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 fan graphs, fan graphs, percentages, and, you know, who has the best team in spring training and they don't always work. And I feel like after San Diego made the big moves after the, uh, the Dodgers made the big moves, getting um, Trevor Bauer, and even to some degree in the middle of the season, getting um, Scherzer and Trey Turner, Giants were never even on the radar. How, how is that even possible for them to win 107 games and what were kind of your projections before the season started my projections uh well we can start with that i guess uh i had this team going 80 and 82 uh finishing third in the nl west um i i bought into i didn't like fully buy into the padres hype of winning the west i thought they would get in a wild card spot for sure obviously uh that didn't happen they had a tough finish um, I think everybody and everybody in their own families <laughs> knew that the Dodgers were going to be there at the end. And heck, they were. I mean, 106 wins, you know, most of the time history shows that's going to win you a division. Um, but, you know, to go back to your original point about, uh, you know, why and what is how you have to play the games. You know, you can look at rosters, you can look at teams on paper, you can go off of uh, history from last year, you know, what the team did prior in 2020 and kind of factor it into 2021. But at the end of the day, it's simple. You have to play the games. The Giants played all 162. And, uh, you know, some of the things that they did this year, you just you can't even explain. Um, you kind of just roll with it and accept it and enjoy the ride. Uh, you got to play the games. So when did you start realizing? When did you start becoming a believer? Because, like, I know for me – I think August, maybe even – no, I think when they traded for Chris Bryant, that's when I said that this team's a playoff team and they're bound for the playoffs. That was the finishing touch. So did you see it? Like, I mean, some people are bold enough to say that they saw it in May, which I think I think even June is too yeah. early. Yeah. I, you know, I was uh, – I'm very patient with, like, changing, you know, my assessment or whatever, and – um but you do. It's important to reassess throughout the season, um, but you can't do it like on a daily basis, obviously. But, you know, I uh, I fully bought in on this team possibly winning the West after the last time they played the Dodgers in early September. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, took two or three and they went a game up. That's when I was like, OK, I really think that this team's going to finally hold them off. I'm buying in on the Giants. So it took me probably 140 games 
to be like, this team can win the West. Um, to like actually believe like this is a good team and they could compete for at least a wild card spot. Honestly, it hit me. Um, it was at the end of June when they uh, were playing the A's um, in San Francisco. And I just remember, you know, that, uh, that Steven Duggar walk off uh, uh, and, and, and Lamont Wade, and that was just a crazy ending. And I was like, you know what? This seems exciting. They're figuring out how to win. They know how to win. That's when I was like, I think this team could do some damage. Are they cheating? <laughs> uh, I'm not wearing an LA hat, so obviously <laughs> I'm. I don't think they are. <laughs> you know what? I I've seen so God. many conspiracy, and some people are serious about it too. Some people are like dead set on the idea that there is cheating involved and they point to the Darren Ruff check swing, but yeah. here's some news Dodger fans, you know, Cody Bellinger threw a ball like off the very top of the net down the left field line at Oracle park. And it gave the giants a two to one lead or something like that late in the game. What about that? What about the, the pitch, the few pitches before Darren Ruff's check swing? I mean, what about the Mike Talkman catch at the warning track? I mean, it's it's insane the conspiracies that happen in baseball, but I mean we don't have to get into that. But what I do want to get into is um, kind of the the ability to buy in, and there's a lot of veteran players on this team. We know that Longoria, Belt, Crawford, Posey, Cueto, um, Gosman to an extent. These are guys are all guys that have experience at the big league level. A lot of them have won have won in the past. Yeah, but the coaching staff just like. Going into it, going into 2020 when Gabe Kapler hired this group of coaches, nobody knew what to expect. I mean, none of them have played in the major leagues except for Andrew Bailey was the only established big league player. And Rod Wotus was an established big league coach. So, I mean, how do you think that, that these veterans have kind of bought into what the coaching staff is throwing out there? I think baseball is kind of shifting to this new age of technology and analytics and really breaking things down and seeing things differently that they, you know, with the equipment that they weren't even using 10, 15 years ago. I think, you know, I I don't know if there's a tie into San Francisco being in the Bay area and not far from Silicon Valley. And they're just a very progressive technologically advanced, you know, area and Hey, they're implementing it into the, to the Giants, uh, you know, organization. Um, but that I, you could just tell the things they do, they, they do things different. You know, they, sometimes they'll show in the dugout, you know, they're on their iPads, breaking down a swing or watching certain pitchers do certain things. You don't see every team doing that. And I think, uh, from this front office down, including, like you said, the coaching staff, um, and this is a younger, you know, for the most part coaching staff, I think, uh, they're kind of showing, what they're capable of and in, in their age in this time of, you know, being that we're in and um, you know, maybe it took a couple months, but I, you know, I I'd be mistaken if I didn't think that pretty much everybody on this roster bought into what the front office and the um, coaching staff was selling. Yeah. And, and on the field after the game, the media got to go down a few minutes after the celebration and kind of wait for, wait for the players as they had their champagne shower and, Kai Correa was one of the first people to walk up the steps and there were still fans in the ballpark waiting for them to come back out. And fans knew Kai Correa. They knew yeah. Kai Correa. They were chanting Kai Correa, Kai, look up here. They know this coaching staff now and they know the magic that it could bring. So I thought that was uh, really cool. Another thing that has been really magical this year is the Giants. I believe they have the most pinch hit home runs in, in a single season in baseball history, definitely franchise history. I think they broke that earlier in the year, but I think they've, if I'm not mistaken, they did bust out the, you know, uh, baseball history record and Austin Slater's got like four of them. Lamont Wade juniors come off the bench in big spots. Darren Ruff, We know that yeah. And you have a special title for this group. So <laughs> kind of tell me, take me through that. Uh, the other guys, uh, you know, the great Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg movie. Um, you should have shot A Rod. You should have. He's a biracial angel. No, uh, it's <laughs> it's a hilarious movie. It's one of Will Ferrell's most underrated films he's been in, comedy wise. But you know, I I throughout the season we've gotten to see these guys progress, and especially 
you know, when they acquired him, obviously like rough before last season, Wade this season, Duggar and Slater, you know, who've come up in the system and before really like last year, this year, haven't really done anything, um, but the Giants stuck with them. And I just thought, you know, these are the other guys. And th- these aren't your everyday stars. These are your guys that may platoon and play three days a week, or they may pinch hit, like you said, come off the bench late in the game. Um, but they've proven to be very effective. And uh, it's it's really fun to see what they've done this year uh, because, like I said, we didn't really have any expectations for them. So, um, you know, I said on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, if the Giants win the World Series, why? It's not the staff. It's not the everyday players. It's because of the other guys. It's the depth that these guys provide uh, for this Giants roster. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, Tyro Estrada came up and he was not an original cast member of the other guys, but he is a good right-handed bat. And if you want my honest opinion on Tyro Estrada, he makes Donovan Solano expendable big time. Um, he does. Yeah. So, and we're getting some comments here. We're, we're live in, in giants chatter on Facebook and just confirming that 18 is a major league baseball record for, for pinch hit home runs. Yeah. Um, and also Eric Nathanson of torture cast is in the comments section. He's saying that, Will Ferrell sucks, but that movie is okay. So, <laughs> do you Thanks, agree with Eric. him? Uh, I don't, Step Brothers is an all-time, um, you know, comedy, and so is Old School. So, I'll disagree with him. I'm a fanboy for Will Ferrell. He's he's got some funny stuff. I mean, you can't sleep on Elf. I mean, I know it's a holiday movie, but Elf is one of those you know you watch it every year type. You're either an Elf person or you're not. I feel like that's that's part of it. Um, and also Tyler Hall is in the comments too. And Tyler's saying that Gabe Kapler deserves a lot of credit for, you know, having the gutsy calls to pinch it with some of these guys. And it's called the line change and the line change stresses me out because I always wonder what if this team gets into, you know, the, the, the 12th inning or 13th inning and they have no more players left and they're completely screwed in matchups, but the new extra inning role doesn't do that. But now in the postseason. The line change is going to, you know, either be gone or done a lot later in the game. Like you can't do it in the fifth inning anymore. I think uh, the Giants have embraced the live or die uh, theory. And, you know, like I say, always they live or die by the long ball and they do a lot more living than dying. I think they do that, too, with the way uh, Kapler, you know, implements his subs in the games. Um, hey, I'm going to go try and win this game in the 6th, 7th, or 8th. If we get the extras and I run out of guys, so be it. But um, you saw most of the time this season um, when he started putting pitch hitters in, even like as early as the 5th inning, um, most of the time it paid off. And uh, I think the, his we, we found out how stubborn Gabe Kapler, Gabe Kapler is this year. Um, and sometimes it left us frustrated, but I think most of the times it was like, okay, you know, we got to trust this guy and uh, what he's doing and he's going to live or die by the matchup. And, um, this is a true platoon in matchup squad. And, um, even in sometimes where history shows and the splits show, you know, this probably won't work here. I'm going to go for this righty lefty matchup or this lefty righty matchup. And, And if it works, you know, great. If not, Oh, well, uh, in most of the time it worked this year. So yeah, you got to give Gabe Kapler a lot of credit and, you know, I anticipate he'll be the runaway and manager of the year. Oh, you, no doubt without a question for sure. I mean, um, are you a DH guy? I, I, I don't know. Are you a DH guy? I'll tell you what, uh, up until probably four or five months ago, uh, my entire life, I was an old school traditionalist. You know, uh, I want to see the pitchers hit. I want to see managers manage. I think it uh, totally affects the strategies of the game. But I'm a, I'm a pretty open-minded guy. And, you know, just imagining adding an extra bat, especially with the depth that the San Francisco team has into this lineup. And, um you know, if you add that bat on a daily basis, you know, this offense could be even better. And then I also factor in, well, you know, what it would do, it would, you know, prevent pitchers from going up there, first of all, and just being a useless at bat. Cause sometimes we have guys like Alex Wood who can't even get a sack bunt down. <laughs> and then secondly, you know, uh, it preserves them from getting hurt. Let them sit in the dugout. Hey, all I have to think about today is pitching. Um, you know, I'm going to stay, uh, 
you know, injury. I'm going to prevent injuries in the long run that, which means I'll stay healthy, which means I'll make more money, you know? So I I'm all in and I anticipate, you know, a, a nationally universal DH next year. So I, I have switched my tune. I am in on the DH. So in high school baseball, there's like a DH, but there's also like, there's a DH that could hit for the pitch or DH that could hit for any fielder, anyone, yeah. uh, any fielder. So like there's a DH that could hit for the shortstop or a D. So if I were pitching one day, there's nothing that made me happier than seeing a DH in my spot in the order. <laughs> like, no, there I'm, and I'm, I'm willing to guarantee 85% of pitchers feel the same exact way. And the other 15 or whatever would be Madison, Bob Garner, Logan Webb, Zach Ranky, et cetera. So guys who are not bad at it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that I, I would say is that a DH in both leagues would help starting pitching. Cause like, it's such a shame when a guy's going really good at 74 pitches, shut out baseball, fifth inning, and then a spot comes up in the order and it's just like, Oh man, you know? So honestly, I think we'll start to see the pitching counting numbers go up a little bit. Not a see, lot. Old, but... old school me though would embrace that and be like, Hey, the manager has to make a decision here. And I, I always respected that about the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. overall now it's like DH is, is probably the way to go. Yeah. But the same people are saying, Oh, well starters only go five innings. So, I mean, there's, it's kind of, you got to balance both somehow. Um, depends on the day. Yeah. It depends on the day. And and Tyler's saying that, you know, who would get manager of the year votes before uh, Gabe Kapler ahead of Gabe Kapler. I mean, obviously in Brooks Knudsen is watching too. He said maybe Mike Schilt in St. Louis, Craig Council is another one that comes to mind. Um, but none of them had the, the year that get, it's not even close. He yeah. should have 30 first place votes easy. That's not even up for debate. How about Bud Black in Colorado? You know, just barely under 500. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody expected yeah. that. Everybody thought they were going to be a 100-plus loss team. The Rockies I, it were sounds, really good, really good home team for a long it time. It sounds silly, but maybe Bud Black gets a vote or two. Why not? Yeah, but then again, I feel like any Colorado manager that has some kind of feat would have to be in consideration because, like, obviously it's not fun managing in Colorado. Um, yeah. You know, I, I honestly think Jace Tinglet. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't been let go yet. Their last game finished, you know, about 27 hours ago. So, well, I'm you know, what's funny is that there. Mondays, the Mondays after that Sunday is usually the day where the moves are made. That's what usually, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the day where, or it's either the Monday after the regular season or like the Monday after the postseason, like the, yeah. uh, the day after the postseason. Cause that's when you see like the, well, they picked up this guy's team option and they let him go like Luis Rojas and in Queens gone, like see ya. So there's going to be at least one opening this year and we'll see uh, what other spot gets opened up. But next thing I want to get into is this belt injury. And Susan Slusser of the Chronicle reported today that Brandon belt is not off the table for NLDS pinch hitting. I mean, I wouldn't waste a spot on him personally for three at bats, the whole series, three unhealthy at bats. Um, I mean, the injury was obviously a blow. I know you're not the biggest Brandon belt fan, but you're smart enough to acknowledge. He was one of the best hitters in baseball. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Especially since he named himself the captain on September 10th, he was like, you know, at the time of his injury, he was like, the third best hitter according to weighted runs created plus. So yeah. Will we see him, do you think, in postseason? You know, I I I was very busy today. I didn't I didn't get to follow much of the beat writer stuff uh as I as much as I wanted to. So I just want to correct so I know what I'm about to say. You said possibility of NLDS, correct? I mean, NLDS. This He's not completely ruled out, Susan Slusser is reporting. See, I thought initially maybe there was a long shot. He could be ready by the NLCS, but NLDS, that's very encouraging. Um, you know, I who wouldn't want to see, you know, Brandon Belt, especially how hot he was right now. It sucks that his, you know, season ended like a weekish short. He would have hit his 30th home run, like for sure. Um, 
But, you know, I, I don't – I think that I would rather go with the guys – uh, you know, including the other guys uh, that are there because we know that they can do it. Um, get Brandon Belt healthy. And, you know, if you get to the NLCS and he's ready to go, that's just like adding a huge cherry on top that, um, hey, we got this guy back. He's like pretty darn healthy. Um, you know, maybe early in the series, he can't play first, which is unfortunate because he's a fantastic glove over at first. Oh. But if you can use him for pitch hitting purposes later in the game, um yeah that's absolutely a huge plus so if brandon belt is healthy enough to swing a bat um you know and be productive uh then yeah you got to have him on the roster um not not sure about the nlds but nlcs i'd be more inclined to think that um that's a possibility for sure yeah just kind of like how michael morse remember he was not on the the postseason roster the nlds roster and then came back uh, in the uh, the championship series, he had an oblique injury. Same type of deal, kind of a little bit different. But I I will say that nobody nobody you know nobody likes to see anybody get hurt. Disclaimer before I say what I'm about to say. But at least it was the first baseman, right? Like at least it was not the shortstop Brandon Crawford. It wasn't Buster Posey behind the plate. Giants have guys that can move over there. Wilmer Flores, Darren Ruff, Lamont Way Jr. I mean. Those guys are completely competent there defensively, not at the same level, not close. We've seen it uh, since Brandon in the short time that he's been gone. Yeah. But um, no, I don't, I don't think they're going to have an issue there. And, you know, Gabe Kapler has said this is a really unreported, underreported um, note here. He's frustrated that, that Wilmer Flores has not been in the lineup. He's frustrated that he can't put him in there more. So Belt's injury kind of opens up you know, space for Flores to play. And, you know, he said, look, Wilmer has done nothing for him to, you know, sit out this many games. So here he is uh, more Wilmer Flores for sure. Um, and, and that, and that ties back into like, you know, if, if there is a universal DH next year, like Wilmer Flores is almost an ideal candidate for that. Cause he's, he's not really fantastic anywhere defensively. Um but, you know, you'd love to have his bat in there at least, mm-hmm. you know, most most games. So And hits right, he's good enough to do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, that DH spot, I mean, the Giants are going to utilize that the way they only know how. And that's to shift guys around and, you know, put them, you know, it's, it's an off day thing. Like if a guy is, you know, heavy on his legs, legs are heavy. You know, Evan Longoria, it's happened a few times with him this year. DH him. I mean, Lamont Wade Jr., you know, little, I guess Lamont Wade Jr. would not be the ideal guy because he is athletic enough to where he's an above average position player. Uh, but you know what I mean? Anybody could be in there at any given time. Well, and you know, imagine, like, have you ever seen at the major league level a DH get pinched hit for for another one to just take <laughs> over? the? You know what I mean? Like San Francisco would, would do that on a, a regular basis. Like, oh, the DH got pinch hit for. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they put, they swapped out the righty for a lefty, like that would happen every day. So they don't, they don't care. Yeah, no, exactly. Get someone off their feet for, for a day and, and, you know, it's a good spot to utilize it. You could hit him anywhere in the order. So, yeah. um, I do want to get into Lamont Wade Jr. though. He won the Willie Mack award. He was this year's winner. Um, and he was probably a top the you know top three among what people thought would happen regarding that award um he's had an incredible season giants traded sean anderson to get him that looks like a win anderson's been with like fifty thousand organizations since um (laughs) and he's now with the padres and part of their bullpen demise in the second half how how much of a shot in the arm has this guy been and they've given him the nickname late night lamont wade and it fits him so well how how like how much have you enjoyed watching this guy play? You know he has become one of those um, ABs that you feel like you can't miss because there's an opportunity, especially like you just said, late night Lamont, uh, late in games. I mean, uh, where he's going to come through for you in the clutch. Uh, yeah, I happen to be at uh, the game Thursday when he hit the walk off single to right field uh, to beat the Diamondbacks. And um, they were showing up on the scoreboard, his, his late inning, you know, ending seven through nine numbers. Oh, and wow. they're incredible. It's like, it, it doesn't phase them at all. Um, 
especially for a guy who's had limited time in, in the major leagues prior to this season, um, you know, limited uh, plate appearances with the twins. Um, just a guy that's willing to play any part of the outfield. If you need to put him at first, he just seems like a super good dude. He sl- says all the cliche things in interviews in the post game. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, whenever he comes up to the plate, you're like, this guy can, you know, hit one into the cove or hit one into the gap at any second, which, you know, six months ago, I don't think any of us, so a lot of us had never even heard of Lamont Wade Jr. before. So just another goldmine find uh, by Farhan Zaidi in, in the front office. I think Farhan Zaidi in the front office are changing course a little bit from the rest of the league. Um, yeah, they're getting a lot of the launch angle high on base guys, but they're also getting low strikeout guys. You know, they, yep. Tyro Estrada, another good example. But Lamont Wade Jr., if you look at his minor league stats through six seasons combined with the Twins, he has 317 walks, 294 strikeouts. So this is a guy, and no power, no power at the minor league level. Yeah. But those types of guys, since they know the strike zone, power, which in this was talked about for years and years among scouts for the, you know, ever since baseball was starting to go by numbers, power develops over time. You know, we always hear, oh, he's 22 right now. He'll just, you know, have more power when he's 27. So Giants are really taking that into account, and it, it's really showing with guys like Lamont Wade Jr. And I'm glad La Ninth didn't stick as a nickname. It's just a <laughs> horrible nickname. I don't know who thought of that. I feel like I should blame Greg Papa. I'm not completely sure it's him, but it sounds like a Greg Papa thing. But I think you may be right on that one. I think that is Papa. Yeah, just, you know, Cisco Web or WebEx by Cisco, whatever it's called. Greg Papa <laughs> forever staying in that vault. Um, Let's get into Logan Webb because he's another guy that I want to highlight here in kind of our 2021 review of the Giants. And basically what he did on Sunday was the definition of what he's been doing all second half. He had the shoulder injury. He missed a few starts. He came back and he's been like literally the best two or three pitchers in baseball. What I've noticed from him is he's trusting his movement. You know, like he was trying to be way too fine before now he's, you know, aiming right down the middle with the sinker and it's going to the right-handed hitter's back foot. Yeah. And the slider is amazing. Changeup's good. And remember, out of spring training, nobody was talking about the slider. He was a fastball changeup guy. Mm-hmm. So the right, and he's become an ace that this team has needed um, when Kevin, Kevin Gosman wasn't at his best. So, I mean, just initial thoughts on you know, Logan Webb heading in the postseason. Is he, you know, your number one, I guess? Or maybe we could talk about that in a second, but just overall thoughts on the Logan Webb this season. Reliable. Um, I think, you know, when he goes out there, you know, for the most part, he's going to give you an opportunity to win, um, even when he doesn't have his best stuff. And you highlighted on his, you know, his two-seam sinker, uh, it's one of the best I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, when, when I was in high school, I pitched, I didn't throw hard. I didn't even throw a four seam. Uh, I just threw a two seam. I was a straight two seam guy, uh, just because of the movement on it. Um, I would, uh, I would do anything to go back and have Logan Webb's movement. His, his two seam is so filthy. Like you said, he starts it out over the plate and that thing just dives right hard and in. And the thing is, is, you see a lot of guys today, that'll be their, like, secondary pitch. They'll have their four seam that, that could be coming in 96, 97, 98, and then their secondary pitch or third pitch could be that two-seam sinker, and it's coming in at 90, 91. Logan Webb's throwing this, for like, 94 to 96 consistently. Like, that is his pitch, and he relies on it, and it's so good that he can throw it, you know, 45, 50% of the time. And then, you know, you factor in that slider and, um, yeah, the talk in spring training was that changeup. It's it's good enough. And so he's really, I think, just learned how to pitch. You know, he can have all the pitches, but, you know, throw them in the wrong spots. He's really, um, you know, just learn how to throw them, when to throw them, when to locate them. Logan Webb is uh, at 24 years old. You know, I'd say he's entered the the chat to be a top 10 to 15 national league pitcher. Um, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what he has to offer the next couple of years. 
and he's the only guy on the staff next year as of now, you know, in terms of contracts. So you'll be building around him and, you know, props to Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans. I mean, he's their guy. Um, so that goes unreported. Um, so is Camilo Duvall and Kirby and Castro. Um, but another thing about Webb is, and I sit next to, uh, often Danny Emmerman, who's the Giants beat writer for KMBR, uh, in the press box. And he said that last sinker, it was in the first inning. He said that sinker that he just threw had a bigger drop than Kevin Gosman's, uh, split Split. and it was 95 miles an hour that's incredible good luck incredible (laughs) good luck it's a bowling ball it literally is a bowling ball the way he sets hitters up mlb network is even taking notice of this kid they've done demos of him of how he sets up hitters check out one at bat that logan webb had in oakland against matt chapman matt chapman uh i believe webb threw like a first pitch strike then he threw a uh, a sinker down and in Chapman fouled it off his foot. The next at bat, just completely uncomfortable. So yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's what that pitch does. Is hey, even if you get any wood on it, that thing's getting hit really weakly. You know, for a right-hander to the third base side, or you know, you're you're not getting any solid solid contact on it. I mean, if you if you look at what Webb's given up, if he's if he's you know getting hit hard, or he's giving up a home run or an extra base hit. I think it's when he's trying to throw a slider and he leaves it hanging and and that's fine and all, but you know, you never you hardly ever see that sinker get hit hard. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I no, I agree. Um, and he's throwing to Buster Posey, who says that, you know, he's got one of the best sinkers Posey's seen. Speaking of yeah. Posey, Posey's in the middle of a career resurgence. Um, or was I guess he's still in the middle of it. Um his powers back, kind of. You know, not nearly as what it was during his MVP season, but a lot of it is back. I think he has got 19 homers, 18 homers, something like that. Where does he go from here? Do they pick up that team option for next season? They have a great schedule that he's on right now with Kirk Casale, who Casale, a lot of teams, he could be their starting catcher. I mean, and the Giants have done that with Posey in the past. Nick Hunley could have played, you know, every day somewhere. You know, Stephen Vogt, same thing. So, They've always had a reliable backup catcher behind them. Now they do because Sally's got another year left. Yeah. Joey Bart is tearing up the the minor leagues, battled with injuries, but still really good. Where do, where do we go from here with uh, Buster Posey? You know, before I even say anything regarding his contract, I just want to point out that the reason he's having, or he had the regular season that he had purely is because of rest. And, you know, I remember before the season, you included and all our other Giants chatter co-admin, we talked about an over-under on Posey games. And um, I think I said 110 games he'd be in. I think he finished, I don't have it in front of me, is it like 98, 99 games? That means, ish. So we'll say 100, we'll round up. That means he didn't appear in 62 games-ish. And the difference being, you know, in the last few years, uh, in the Bochy era, his days off, he was still playing first base. Um, and, you know, that means he's out. He's got to be loose. He's moving. Um, he's out there in the field in the sun for nine innings. Um, and then he's batting four or five times in a game. This year, the Giants had a plan said, hey, we got a guy that's, that's fresh coming off of last year. He didn't even play anything. He's in really good shape right now. Uh, he's healthy, you know. When he catches, he's going to catch. But on the days he's not catching, he's not playing at all. He may pinch hit, but he's not playing any, you know, first base this year. And that is 100%, in my opinion, the reason why Posey was able to stay fresh so long this season um, at the age of 34 and be productive the entire season and not, like, you know, fade out come June or July. Um, You know, in regards to his contract, I think he's made it, you know, kind of uh, interesting because I believe his club options 22 mil next year. Correct. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of torn on, hey, the Giants have the financial flexibility to just be like, here, you know, let's do it. Um, here's the 22 mil. But also, you know, devil's advocate, I think they have this whole, they have Joey Bart who should be ready to go next year at any capacity at the major league level. They still have Casale. You know, hey, we're going to decline your option. Are you willing to take a discount to stay here, 
stay in San Francisco, not move your family and let's finish your career here. I think he'd be open to it to take a cheaper deal. Um, Hey, you know, we'd love to sign you for a year, you know, $15 million. And you know what, you're going to catch three days a week. You could, if that DH is there, you could DH one or two days a week and you could still have one or two days completely off. I think that sounds pretty enticing to Buster Posey. Um, But I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not his agent. So I don't, I don't know. I can't give you a solid answer regarding his contract situation next year. It could go either way, in my opinion. Yeah. And and that would be great. But Joey Bart is in the organization. And I feel like anytime Joey Bart, big league ready catcher, he's big league ready. I mean, like at this point he is. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, nothing certain just because of that reason alone. So, um, yeah, and Tyler Tyler Hall saying that the only way they don't pick it up is if they agree to a two year deal beforehand, which I could see happening. You know, yeah. give him Crawford money. Um, so yeah, that that's I'll tell definitely... you one thing for sure: nothing's happening during these playoffs regarding your contract. Nothing. No, nothing at all. A hundred percent. Just real quick on Brandon Crawford. I mean, he's playing some of the best baseball we've seen him play ever. Uh, he looks like a completely different hitter uh, fielding. I mean, he's looked great. It's amazing what he's doing for his age, but offensively, I don't think I've ever seen this side of Brandon Crawford during the championship years. He was a seven, eight hitter, 2012, eight hitter, 2014. I might've been like seven. Yeah. Maybe six. No, seven. I think seven or eight. Um, what in the world has gotten into Brandon Crawford. I think he's just become smarter at the plate. Uh, you know, the, he's always been a strong guy. Like he's always been able to hit the ball out of the park. It's just doing it at a consistent rate. And I think it's a, this sounds really simple. I think it's as simple as, Hey, he's accepted to go to left field way more instead of trying to pull everything and hit for power going the other way, um, which forces opposing pitchers, you know, to really try and get this dude out because he is a legitimate threat at the plate now. You know, in years past, um, it was, hey, you know, pitch Crawford uh, something, you know, low and in, breaking-wise or, you know, an away fastball, and, you know, three times out of four, you could probably get him out. Um, but, yeah, now he uses the entire plate, uses the entire field, and um, he's just a problem at the plate. And he's and the, and the great thing, too, is he's not completely useless against lefties, even though they'll sometimes um, platoon him out days against when there's a lefty starter on the mound. Plus, I mean, he's he plays shortstop. He's moving more than anybody. You know, he needs those days off. But um, his splits are, are not that awful uh, both ways, and he can he could definitely just do some consistent damage at the plate. He's always stood his own against lefties, and yeah. I think he's not only smarter, he's more – I feel like he's more himself, and we've seen it with him. You know, I don't know if, like, the old regime had anything to do with it, but now he feels like he's the veteran on the team. I mean, he's taking extra bases. He's almost too aggressive at times. and Sometimes, yeah. I like that. Like, I feel like that's good, like, in, in some ways. So – uh, Brandon Crawford, definitely a guy to watch in postseason. I want to wrap up our kind of 2021 review, and then we'll look into the postseason real quick with favorite moment of 2021. And I there's so many, and I can't tell you how many games. There's probably about eight, seven or eight games where I've said to myself, God, this is the best game of the year. No, this game's the best game of the year. No, this game is. So, like, initially I thought it was Yastrzemski's Grand Slam against San Diego. Right. The, you know, they were down like eight to nothing or something. And then I thought that it was the LA series with Darren Ruff's check swing. And then there's a few other games that, you know, then it was the Posey game where he, you know, Trey Turner's throw pulled Max Muncy off the back or pulled Will Smith off the back. Yeah. Yeah. There's like so many. Then it was the Milwaukee series. So I don't even know where to, then it was the Talkman catch. I mean, it's unbelievable. I just don't know. Do you have an answer? Oh God, I would need probably a legit legitimate half hour to really come up with a good exactly. answer. I mean, there, there are so many, I, I do. I think the one, like the walk-off one against the A's um, back in June, when I talked about, I really started buying into this team being a legitimate contender. Um, also in August in Oakland, when they had those two 
back-to-back late go-ahead home runs against the A's. Um, incredible. Uh, Solano and Wade on back-to-back days, not in that order, but um, those definitely are right up there for me too. I think just because out of my pure lifelong hatred for the Dodgers, um, you know, I have to, I have to just go with uh, – and, and, and it's because of how it happened – the Darren Ruff check swing because that game was over. The Giants should have lost that game. He ends up walking, I believe. And then the Giants uh, come back and, and finish him off. Uh, Wade with the, you know, the hit to right to, to bring in the run. Um, I think when I saw Max Muncy at the top of the, the dugout steps for Los Angeles, and he was so upset, screaming at the umpire. I forgot what umpire it was. I had like that was so satisfying. That was probably the most satisfaction I got out of this season was just seeing like at that moment to me, that's when the Dodgers said we're in trouble. Even if the Giants didn't even earn it that night, it was like they knew that they were going to have to fight with San Francisco down to the finish. And, um, you know, I think that's the game that really worried the Dodgers the rest of the way. And someone who is near and dear to this show, friend of the show, the original friend of the show, Jason Vossler had a big part in that game. Do you remember that? His yeah. secondary lead beating out the force out at second base was yep. a ginormous play in that game. And Jason will for sure be back on. I will make it a note to bring him on during the off season. That um, was huge because that game was over there too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was over a few times. Yeah. So that was, no, that's definitely a good pick there. Let's get into October here. So we got our first game on Friday, um, wild card game for both teams, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then the division series starts for the uh, National League. I believe the American League division series starts Thursday. on Thursday. Yep. Correct. Yeah. And then Friday is when the National League division series starts. Uh, Giants and whoever wins between the Dodgers and Cardinals will be on TBS. I mean, what are you kind of you looking forward to? Do you have any storylines that you're kind of keeping up with? I know rotation is definitely the biggest thing that outsiders are kind of predicting goes down. Um, you know, obviously offense or what are you kind of looking at for a postseason? Um, you know, I'm not really look. at, of course, I'm looking forward to the Giants offense, but um, I think we know what to expect at this point. I'm more, I'm, I'm like you, Steven, I am always more intrigued with how they handle staffs, how they handle bullpens. Um, I, I'm really curious who they're going to throw out their game one. I think based off of history, and I mean history, meaning the 2021 regular season, I think we'll see, actually, I've changed my tune. I think we're going to see Kevin Gosman start Friday. Um, and reason being is because, you know, you saw the Giants never shy away, uh, you know, with an off day in between starts of like, oh, you know, this guy's a normal rest. Let's have him throw there. No, 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 no. They are always down to give that guy an extra day of rest. Logan Webb would line up Friday on normal rest for game one. There, you know, I just, I just don't see them changing how they've handled off days in between starts for starters now. And I think that you're going to absolutely see Gosman Friday and then Webb on five days rest on Saturday for game two. So I'm, I'm really interested in the starting rotation. Also, who could be, you know, that game four starter if it's, you know, I, I think Alex Wood pitched well enough towards the end of the season that he may get an opportunity to start game four. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely Wood. Um, and I think the subplots would be Johnny Cueto. You know, is he is he going to make the playoff roster? I mean, there's different subplots to go along with it. Um, and I do want to say that Kevin Gosman – I think you make the right choice, and I agree because I think Kevin Gosman finished September really strong. Yeah, the overall month stat line doesn't you know look sexy. I mean, four hundred five ERA with um, you know eighteen earned runs given up in forty innings. It's mediocre, but if you look at stuff plus, which is a stat that I know you know Saris of the Athletic likes to use, Gosman was a top ten, you know had top ten stuff in September. So even better than Webb, who was like number nine or 10 on the list. I got to go back and look, but Gosman, definitely a big option there. Um, closing. So closing games. Um, this is the topic right now. I feel that is 
separating a lot of people. And personally for me, Camilo Duvall took it. Sorry, plain and simple. I don't care about saves. I think saves, in my opinion, is the most meaningless stat because I feel like you want your best relief pitcher to get a save. So you play to the save. And when you play to the save, you miss opportunities. And when you miss opportunities in the middle to late innings, you might not even have a save situation in the first place. So like, for example, there could have been spots this year in the sixth inning that Jake McGee or Tyler Rogers could have pitched in. But instead, the Giants surrendered the lead in those innings, and then it's a five-run lead by the time you get to the ninth, so you don't lose, so you don't use Jake McGee. So what's the point of playing to the save? I don't know. I just think the save is overrated. Who gets the ninth inning for you? Between you know, Camilo Duvall, Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers. It's not Rogers. I know. We, I know that. But who's who's getting it? it? I mean, it could be. I you never know with Gabe Kapler. Um, but I. I, I going into this season, I thought the Giants were going to use a committee and some sports they did. Uh, but for the most part, you saw Jake McGee get win healthy, you know, most of the save opportunities. And for the most part, he got it done. And I've called him an anomaly all year because he doesn't do anything special. He's going to throw mid 90s, um, you know, throw hard. It's heavy. But uh, it's not like he hits spots consistently. He, he he throws strikes right out over the plate that guys get a lot a lot of swing and misses on. I I don't know. That's why I call him an anomaly. But you know, I've been a huge even through his struggles early in the year. I love Camilo Duvall. I know he he has closer stuff, and um, I I think that McGee would understand coming. You know, off of injury, I thought they should have gave him an inning yesterday in in, uh, in that Padres game to finish the year, just to give him an inning of game. You know, and now it's going to be like two weeks since he's had any game action yeah. um, going into the posting. But regardless of that, um, you know, I, I think you got to stick with the hot hand right now. I, I don't believe in a committee in October. You got to have your dude, and I think you got to do it with the National League reliever of the month, and that's Camilo Duvall, the guy has learned he's I don't he hasn't perfected it but he is learning how to pitch and it's good enough right now I think for the postseason um he's not always trying to throw 102 you know he'll throw 97 99 uh with location and purpose and then you know if he gets ahead 0212 and counts then you can bring that 102 and throw guys off even if it's not a strike you get guys to chase they don't have time to react but the 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 thing that has really impressed me with Camilo Duvall, and I've been saying this all season, is he has to figure out a secondary pitch. And he has with that slider. I mean, that thing's coming in low 90s, and he's consistently getting really good movement, low and away, especially against righties. Um, and he's putting them in effective locations. And so I think if the only reason you don't, uh, you know, keep Duvall as your closer is if he gets an opportunity and he just, you know, shies away in the mo- big moment. And uh, then you're like, okay, well, that can't happen again. So we're going to McGee the rest of the way, which I would understand. But I think right now, until he struggles, you stick with Camilo Duvall. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And Tyler Hall is commenting on my my save take there uh, and saying that wins are more useless than, than saves. I agree I wa- with that. I don't agree with your save take. I just want to point that out there. Okay. No, no, I understand. <laughs> and that's probably for a different podcast. And maybe, you know, Tyler's coming on soon. Maybe uh, we'll get into that. But just according to research, a league average reliever, what's the difference between a league average reliever and an above league average reliever with a three run lead? One blown save a year. Two run lead, that's when you use your best guy. I understand. Two run lead, that's when, like, you know, the, the odds are not in the favor. But so, so three run saying, lead. Go ahead. What are you saying? I'm sorry. Are you saying maybe that save should be two runs or less? I do. I think save should be two runs or less. The stats back it up. Three run lead with a league average reliever compared to a really good reliever. One blown save a year. Hmm. One blown save where it's like two run lead is like five blown saves a year. And that's when you really start, you know, but one blown save a year. So imagine using your best reliever in the biggest spots in the game 
instead of waiting for a save opportunity that may or may not happen. So that's my take on that. Um, before we go here, uh, I want to let you kind of talk up your, your podcast here. Say, Hey podcast. You hope you host it with Robbie Lewis. You guys do a great job. Um, explain kind of your podcast and what's coming up on it. Yeah. Say, Hey Rob and myself, uh, you know, personally we've been friends since kindergarten. Um, and we have shared, I know it's adorable. Uh, no, but we've shared this love and passion, uh, for the giants for, you know, 25, 26 years now. And, uh, last year, um, you know, I think we were, uh, getting a little, uh, itch crazy, you know, waiting for some baseball July comes along and, um, you know, we're like, let's just do a podcast. And, uh, you know, it, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, you, you run your own podcast, obviously. So I'm sure if you were to like, look now compared to your first couple episodes, they'd be completely different. Um, but we have a blast. And the thing with Rob and I is, you know, we have great chemistry and we agree on a lot of stuff, but the great thing about say, Hey podcast is, um, you know, we don't shy away from disagreements or stuff, you know, we don't agree on or go in the same direction on, we talk about it. And that's why, you know, we use the term uh, the San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones. And it's directed towards the Giants fans that really understand baseball. And, um, you know, they're not always going to take the cheesy route. And it's not, you know, we don't just like love certain players. You know, if we're pissed off about a player, we're going to talk about it. If we're upset with the direction of the franchise is going, the organization's going, we're going to talk about it. We don't shy away from the heated stuff and um you know we love it and we love having guests on and it's just all about facts numbers bold takes that's that's what the say hey podcast represents love to see it so you could of course follow doug on twitter um doug man i really appreciate you uh coming on coming on the show i know we uh, had some technical difficulties we solved it <laughs> and we had a lot of fun thanks for having me on uh steven and uh i'm just Really looking forward to this postseason. It's going to be a great ride. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we should have uh, some RizzoCast watch parties maybe in the future during postseason <laughs> now. Uh, but you guys could follow Doug on uh, Twitter at Say Hey Doug uh, and the podcast on Twitter at Say Hey Podcast. Again, a podcast, a San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones. Episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And I will leave the link tree link. Uh, in the bio or in the description or wherever you're listening to this, this podcast, you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast, YouTube, Spotify, everywhere where the Say Hey, you know, the Say Hey Doug podcast, the Say Hey podcast is located at. So you could listen to us. Uh, you could listen to Doug's podcast and mine and then or mine than his or mine and just not his at all. You know, whatever <laughs> route you want to take there. Um, anyhow, thank you guys for listening. And uh, see you next time.